Hey, Becca, why didn't the lobster want to share? I don't know. Why? Because he was shellfish. (laughs) Don't be shellfish. Learn anywhere you are. Welcome to Therapists in Motion podcast, brought to you by Spooner Physical Therapy. Hello and welcome back to the Therapists in Motion podcast. Paul and Dan here. And joined today, we have two individuals from Spooner Physical Therapy, one of our expert clinicians over at the Fisher Clinic, Keske Kano, who we refer to as K2, as well as our Director of Sports Medicine, Becca Hibbert. Thanks for being here, you two. Thank you for having us, Paul. Uh, would both of you just really quickly introduce yourselves and let listeners know a little bit about you? Okay. Um, my name is Keske Kano. goes by K2. I'm a physical therapist since 99, and uh, I've been working for... Uh, Fisher location, now Spooner. And uh, I'm also an instructor for STM certification, also a team a medical consultant for Fukuoka SoftBank Hawks in Japan. Hi, I'm not ex- as exciting as K2. <laughs> I'm Becca. Uh, like Paul said, I'm the director of sports medicine. I'm an athletic trainer as well. And I've been doing that for about 14 years. And just like any good millennial, I've had many jobs. So I'm really going to be great on this topic of always having to learn new things. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're excited to have you both. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Nice little lead in there. So on the idea of learning new things, you know, my experience at Spooner about 10 years now, a lot of times when I see new therapists come, everyone talks about the importance of mentorship, the importance of learning. And most every therapist I know continues to appreciate that through the entirety of their careers. But we want to take a little time today to talk about What does it really mean to be a continuous learner? What does it really mean to have a professional mindset? Because I tend to personally find, and you guys feel free to disagree, but a lot of therapists tend to see learning as just, when's my formal con ed? What's my next course that I'm going to? And they have that as their their points in time which they're learning something, which those are very valuable learning tools. But I feel like they miss so many opportunities that sit right in front of them every single day. Um, and both of you have spoken very, very highly and very well about what it takes to always be working on bettering yourself and taking every opportunity to learn. So I want to start just by asking you, you know, K2, when you talk about a professional mindset or a learner's mindset, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, Paul. Um, so I believe, just like you said, learning opportunities everywhere. You know, it is all up to us how much we can learn, how we're going to utilize our opportunities. So, but, uh, Many cases, you know, myself too, sometimes when we learn certain stuff or acquire certain skills, you get kind of comfortable with it. Then sometimes you don't want to get out of the comfort zone. So that is when either you feel comfort or you feel like, you know what, I start missing something. I want to know something. I start getting that uncomfortable feeling. So depending on how you embrace those feelings, that's going to be a starting point for learning. I think it's important to, when you start to realize like you don't know everything and there's nothing wrong with that. You have all these people, especially from my perspective, um, working in sports medicine, you're surrounded by physicians and physical therapists and other athletic trainers. And when you start to realize like, oh my gosh, there is so much to be learned from everybody around me. You really start to change that mindset of like, I have to know everything. I have to prove myself to like, what can I learn from all these people that I'm surrounded by? Well, I love that you said that, Becca, because I, I do tend to find so often people think that, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be the specialist or I have to be the knowledgeable one. I'm the most experienced one here. 
and then I have to be able to tell everyone what's going on. When I mean, yes, obviously you're going to be a subject matter expert or whatever you brought in for a purpose, but too often you forget you can learn something from anyone. I learn things from physical therapy students that haven't even graduated yet that come into clinics. They've heard things I haven't heard or they challenge thought processes and make me do better explaining, defending, or thinking about a new way or a new idea that I haven't heard yet. So you can always learn from everyone. So I appreciate you bringing that up because it is, again, often a missed component of just general learning continuously. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, K2, what you talked about is is probably one of the biggest issues that we see in those therapists that are, you know, five years plus is going back to what Paul alluded to. They're looking for their learning opportunities based on the next continuing education course mm-hmm. because they're comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. So my question to you is, how do you give advice and speak to that therapist who is five plus years out, who is comfortable to help them get comfortable being uncomfortable and see all of those opportunities of not only the continued education course, but the learning experience from the physical therapy student, from the colleague sitting next to them, from you know listening to a podcast – how would you suggest or give some advice on those individuals to continue to learn? Gotcha. So, um, as I said, I don't know everything. I don't know a whole lot, but uh, that is the beginning part. Then when I was younger, just like Paul said, I thought I have to know a lot. But the, learn, the more you learn, you realize the more you don't know. You know, so that is a turning point for myself. And lots of learning actually happened, not necessarily just my, from my own thought process, but I learned from other people's. I received lots of wisdom from lots of people around me. Then sometimes, like, you know, my mentors, sometimes friends, sometimes colleagues, or sometimes even podcasts or YouTube, those kind of stuff. One of the uh, interesting talk I got is actually from uh, Dr. Abraham Twersky. He was talking about growth of lobster <laughs> i was like what is this why i click this you know youtube video but <laughs> you know lobster you know so then yeah yeah as we know lobster you know grow why t- getting removing the shells so i was like okay that's interesting so according to his talk he's talking about uh lobster is covered by hard shell and inside the mushy inside, but inside keep growing. Then eventually, lobster feels so comfortable having the pain. So from that, you know, confined, you know, space, that is actually a signal that lobster decided to come out of the, you know, shell. Then he also said, but you know, interestingly, if lobster had a, a doctor, the lobster is not going to grow. Because a lot, you know, doctor is going to prescribe either pain medication or give you antidepressant so that they don't even feel that pain to grow. So I was like, that's very interesting. Cause like so many times I became kind of uncomfortable, you know, then feels like I'm not comfortable with what I know. Then sometimes I don't know what to do, but I realized that is actually a signal, stimuli for me to grow. So that is the point. I decided, you know, I have to kind of expose myself. I need to come out of my comfort zone. Then it can be vulnerable, can be, can be painful, but I feel like in return, you get so much more growth coming. So that is kind of, I, you know, I got 
out of that story that I'm, I keep telling myself, also I'm trying to share this story with lots of people around me. I think it's important kind of to K2's point as well is that we also have to have an environment for learning, um, you know, or growing as we're talking about with the lobster. And it's important to provide an environment to people where they feel like they can admit mistakes, Mm -hmm. say they did something wrong or ask good questions. And that's a big thing I think is often missed in a lot of places is we're saying, oh, fail. It's totally fine. Oh, it's we need you to grow. But then we have to provide that. And that's really kind of the lobster story, too. I mean, mm-hmm. if you have the lobster in the wrong environment, it's not mm-hmm. able to grow at the rate it would in the ocean. I agree. Um, and so in that same you know, vein, we really have to create environments where our therapists, where our athletic trainers, physicians, where they feel comfortable being uncomfortable and knowing mm-hmm. that it's not going to be pointed fingers and everybody looking at them like, oh, you should have known that. Great point. And I'm curious then, especially some of our younger listeners, do you, either of you have experience or ways you've tried to find out if the environment is a good growth environment? Mm -hmm. So think about those first, second year therapists interviewing for a job, might be their first out of school, might be a change in location. What are ways you've asked questions or look into the environment to say, yeah, this sounds like a strong environment for me to learn, or this might not be the right one to help me grow to my next professional level? That's well said. I had a hard time exposing myself before because, like, again, I didn't want to show my failure or I didn't want to show my mistakes. If I don't talk about it, probably they don't realize it, I thought. But uh, when I get to the point, you know, I have to be true to myself. If I really want to help person in front of me, it's not about me. I have to come out of my comfort zone. That time I was looking around my uh, clinic then people and colleagues and my mentors, then I talk to myself. If I cannot come out of my shell in this environment, I don't think I can do it anywhere. So fortunately, I was in a great environment that I feel like I would be supported. But still, it was fear, you know, very fearing, you know, experience. But, uh, I decided, you know, and, uh, also I trusted my gut and I did it. Initially, it was very awkward for me because I never done it. I thought maybe other people, including like therapists with younger, you know, less experience, they may actually start looking at me like, oh, Katie don't know anything. Oh, Katie make a mistake. But reality was totally opposite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I actually shared with her talking or email, those kind of stuff. But next morning when I showed up, Lots of people came to me. Actually, one person came to me crying and said, that is exactly what I needed to hear. It was interesting, you know, um, experience. Then just like Paul said, yes, having that, identifying that um, environment you want to be there to grow is very important. Well, I think to answer your question a little bit as well is, you know, we talk a lot about culture. And I was actually having this conversation yesterday with a patient about his business, which is a roofing company, oddly enough. And he said, the culture is about the behaviors that your employees display on a regular and consistent basis. And it can't be something that happens overnight. It's built over time. So I think about you know your question to that person who's seeking a place of employment, whether it's their first, their second, or their 15th, is what is that sense of culture when you walk into the clinic? What's the feel that you have? You know, 
going to K2's point, what does your gut tell you, right? We, we know when mm. we're taking tests that sometimes you need to just trust that gut instinct or trust your first instinct because oftentimes that leads you to the correct answer. Not always, right? But that's where I would encourage anybody who's looking for a new place of employment to ask to spend time in the clinic because that's going to reveal the culture to you and the environment as Becca alluded, you know, Becca spoke to of, is this going to be an environment where it's going to foster and fuel me and the people around me to assist with our patients or clients getting better? I think you can apply the same thought process to really any place of employment outside of physical therapy, medicine, business, teaching, that you still want to have that same environment where learning is something that is happening on a regular basis and the informal learning opportunities are consistently built in and highlighted rather than it always be, well, K2, I want to come out and hang with, hang out with you to learn from you. And you're like, okay, great. And then nothing ever happens. Right. So that would be kind of part of my answer to your question, Paul. If you don't mind, I'll answer a little as well. Please do. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so as a young professional, some things that I would look for when you're interviewing for a job is one, do they know what you do? And that might sound crazy, but I have interviewed myself um, where they didn't know what an athletic trainer was. And that's a, it's really a big red sign, especially when you're young and you're not quite to the point where you can advocate for yourself the way you need to. Bit of a, like, oh, okay, red flag. The other thing to look for is not just are they providing continuing education money, which hopefully they are, but are they also concerned with you internally? Are they helping you with mentorship? Mm. Are they providing some continuing education within the company to really help you develop? Those are some things to look for. I know that when I interview people, I hate the strengths and weaknesses question personally. Mm. I will ask people, I'll give a scenario, like with people have always had um, run-ins with coaches. Give me an example of a run-in with a coach and how you could have handled that at that time, but how you could have handled it better. What does your growth look like for you over five years? What are you trying to get to? I think when you see as a young professional that somebody's actually invested as you in you as an employee, kind of what Dan was saying, you'll really notice that with some of even the interview questions that you get. I love that. I agree completely. A lot of times you can find out about the culture just by asking questions. Just like you said, Dan, also being present with the therapist, don't just spend time with the interviewer, or the director, or coordinator, whoever it is you're with, but get to know the other individuals there. You don't be afraid to ask them you know, questions about what's the environment like? Like when a mistake is made or not even a mistake, something suboptimal, how do you all learn together? How do you all better from it? And see if you get the type of response you'd want or if things get very, very shallow and procedural. Because uh, it is difficult sometimes to learn from our own mistakes, and it's very difficult. K two of you spoken to a little bit before this was admitting to failures, or admitting to there being an issue, or being comfortable with being able to do that. Do either of you have any advice on how we can do a better job as professionals at admitting to mistakes, or understanding that it is an important component of our professional careers to own up to a mistake or admit to a mistake, at least internally, and better ourselves from it. Yeah, Paul, that was a great topic because I feel like when I experienced that moment of myself start admitting my own failure, mistake, and share with the mistake with other people gave me a turning point 
in my professional career. Though I want to tell you some story. Actually, I learned from other people, but I applied to myself. But um, I want to say more than 10 years ago, I have best friend in Japan. His name is Tak. He's an ATC, he's a PhD, he's an Olympic committee, he's an awesome guy. And uh, he owns performance center in Japan. So once in a while, he comes to visit Arizona to observe what we do. Then he gets, he learns so much, then bring him back to Japan and he's trying to utilize for his company. So one year, he brought his right-handed man, right-handed man, uh, his name is Kinchan. So both of them came to uh, our clinic 10 years ago. And Tak, who can speak English, but Kinchan doesn't speak any English. So to me, I really want to provide them a great learning opportunity. So when they came, it was, I, re- I remember it was January. So that we had a professional baseball camp going on, NFL combine camp going on, and lots of clients going on. So we are pretty busy. But I want to make sure, you know, uh, Kinchan specifically can understand what's really going on because everything is English, you know. So in between my clients, I went back to, you know, uh, talk to Kinchan, telling him, like, you know, asking him, hey, do you understand what's going on? Do you understand what we're trying to do here? And he said, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, great. So I kept going back to him between the clients. Then every time he said, yes, I understand. I get this. So I was like, wow, he's awesome. He knows the stuff, you know. So then whole day they observed. Then at the end of the day, we went to a um, restaurant. And we are hanging out, three of us, Tak, me, and Kinchan. And uh, we just ordered chicken wing at that time. And they started, like, you know, re- relaxing for the day. And all of a sudden, my uh, best friend, Tak, said to Kinchan, Hey, Kinchan, you should stop doing that. I was like, Okay, we are trying to have a good time. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> so Tak said, you know, uh, K2 came to talk to you, asking you if you understand, you know, what's going on. Then you said, uh, yes, you understood. But some cases, I don't think you understand what's going on. But you said to Keisuke, K2, you understand. You should stop doing that. Because when you keep doing that, you're going to start losing, like, op- learning opportunities. And I was like, wow, okay, interesting. Then he, Tak, continued. He knows Kinchan for years. So that he knows what Kinchan knows, what Kinchan doesn't know. So Tak told Kinchan, you know, to me, it doesn't matter how much you know, how much you don't know. But the reason I brought you from Japan to United States and observe, you know, what, you know, um, what's going on here is, I really expected you to learn as much as you can so that you can bring all the information back to our company that you are the one sharing with everybody else. That's why I choose, I chose you. But Kinchan said, I'm sorry, but I didn't want to let you down because, you know, the time and the money you spent on me, I didn't want to show how much I don't know. Then Tak said, but it doesn't matter to me, but I really want you to learn as much as you can for the company, our group. And I was like, wow, that's big. But Tak continued and said, so Kinchan, you have to do three things. I'm going to tell you first too, but you have to come up with a third one on your own. First one, you have to admit you made a mistake. Two, you're going to state that you no longer make the same mistake again. Then what is the third one? 
Kinchan was thinking, I was thinking too. Five minutes passed, we can come up with anything. <laughs> <laughs> so Tak said, okay, I'm gonna tell you. So share the mistake with um, the p- people in our company. So that, you know, there are so many people actually make similar mistake as you do, even your, your experienced trainer. But if you can share the mistake with them, some people may actually learn a lot from you so that they can learn from you, then they don't make the same mistake. So that as a company, as a group, we can grow much quicker and sooner. That is what I'm looking for. So I was like, wow, that's great. At the same time, I was actually listening that story, whole story to myself. Then I told them, you know, Kinchan, I know you made a mistake, but I made a mistake this morning. So that time it was pretty busy. This morning, that morning, um, I was working with an NFL player who was doing a rehabilitation for Achilles tendon repair. And it was like five, six months to it. So that he's ready to do more activities. So one of my clients is MMA fighter who owned the gym. So actually my client, Reggie, actually uh, found out MMA training so that he wanted to try uh, like Muay Thai training so that he can learn uh, about new type of kicking. Actually, sorry, I didn't say that, but Reggie was a punter. Okay. So I set up everything. Then he actually, you know, did the training that I was there so that making sure everything was going well. Then Reggie came back and talking to lots of people about it. He was excited. But Brett, my mentor, uh, came to me soon, shortly after. Then he told me, uh, K2, I heard Reggie went to a um, military training, but I'm a little bit concerned. I was like, concerned? I did everything. You know, I have pride in what I did. I want to help Reggie too. But Brett continued said, um, you know, like at the Cardinals, we had a kicker, uh, who did MMA type training, uh, over the off season. Then two seasons in a row, he tore the quad. So we couldn't tell why that happened, but we are thinking maybe introducing rotational component of training quite a bit, then maybe created a muscle imbalance. Okay, but I was start saying to Brett, like, well, I was there, it was safe, then it was just tryout. Then I realized I was depending myself. Then I shut down myself and said, okay, I'm sorry, but thank you. I appreciate that, so I'm gonna consider that. However, in my mind, I was defending myself, then that is, Probably not the good, cause like I was depending for myself, not for my client. So that after t- listening to the story between Kinchan and the Tak, I told them I made a mistake this morning. So I don't want to make same mistake again because I don't want Brett to stop teaching me. So what I'm gonna do tomorrow morning? I'm gonna talk to Brett. Then I'm gonna apologize for it. Then I'm gonna share with other stuff. So next morning we woke up. I woke up like at you know, 5 a.m. That time, Kinchan actually sent a company-wide email to his company. What happened? Then he stated he doesn't want to make the same mistake again. Then hopefully, people can learn from his mistake. So when I read that uh, email, I just you know uh, got so excited. Then when I went to the kitchen, actually um, he was staying with me you know that day. So and 
I just talked to him. I just shook his hand and I said, you know what? I need to go to work right now. Because if I can catch Brett now, I can talk to Brett. So I showed up and trying to talk to him, but he was so busy. We had a sports agent was there and he was talking to them. Then initial, then eventually, like our seven o'clock patient came, then I didn't have time to talk to him. But, uh, fast forward, then lunchtime came, then Brett was by himself, so I went to him. Then I said, Brett, I need to talk to you. He was surprised. Look at me and said, uh, okay, what's going on? I said, Brett, I made a mistake yesterday. Then I'm gonna apologize for it. Then I think Brett knew what I meant. Then I said, when Brett, you came to me, uh, tell me about the rages, you're concerned. I actually put the defensive, you know, uh, facial expression. Then my action was defensive. I'm sorry. Then he said, well, we're busy. That things happen. But, you know, Brett, I need to fix that. I need to change that because you're my mentor. If I keep doing that, you may find yourself stop teaching me. I don't want that. I don't want that. The moment I said, I just started crying. <laughs> then Brett was just quiet looking at me. That time, all the athletes, clients all around us, like walking by, like, why Kate is crying? <laughs> <laughs> then when I cry, I started going like, <laughs> my breast is getting deeper and all that kind of stuff. So maybe about one minute later, I look into Brett said, Brett, I don't want to make the same mistake again. But what I can do is I'm going to share this mistake with other stuff so that hopefully other people can learn from it. That time, Brett came to me and just hugged me. So then after that, a very fast guy I saw was my PT intern. I talked to Brett. I'm going to, you know, I'll share this mistake. So I did with him. To my surprise, my intern just quietly hugged me. Then fast forward, I shared those uh, experience by email lots of people then going back to my first story but lots of people actually was very supportive then also like looking at me very kindly instead of like you know attacking me then some people said they actually resonate from my own experience so i think doing that itself are great for myself and i think great for my uh, client but i think now i think looking back i think i did something good for the entire clinic to set up the tone for the clinic to learn better. So I love that story. Uh, it's not the so first time I've heard long. it, but yeah. I love it every time. Um, and I think what's important to note there is how often people say, oh, I know that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And you have literally no idea, right? That's what he was doing, admitting to knowing something he didn't know. And it's because as human beings, all we want is to belong. And we assume that belonging means we have to know what everybody else knows. And sometimes what happens when we admit that we don't know, that opens other people up like you did with that email. That opens other people up in the clinic or the environment that you're in to be like, you know what? I can admit that I don't know everything. And that in itself creates belonging, that we are all here to learn and continue to learn and admit when we don't know something and learn from that. And I also, you know, one big thing you mentioned there, and I want to applaud you for, is recognizing the barrier and the wall that you put up. I mean, it is one thing we make mistakes, sometimes get feedback. It's another to realize that you're making a mistake almost preemptively. That takes an extra level of analysis into things. Because one thing I do tend to find often is that 
with so many different schools of thought that exist out there, mm-hmm. people shut down to certain other ideas or other processes. Like, no, I'm comfortable with my way or this will work. And obviously, this one, you have a mentor who you respect greatly, but all too often I find people that just like, oh, I don't do this, I do this, or that's not me. And it might be just they are very strong in the way they believe. It might be the belonging as well. They might feel like, oh, I'm so, I know this so well. I'm not ready to start over at ground zero somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's, I don't need to challenge myself to that. But I've yet to find a school of thought that covers everything every patient will ever need. I've yet to find a school of thought that's going to get me to be able to take care successfully of every person that walks through my door. So I definitely would challenge people to be open to feedback that contradicts what you think. Even if you still feel you did the right thing, listen to what they have to say. Even if it's not a person that you just innately trust. Listen to what they have to say. Listen to what's out there or challenge yourself to think about other schools of thought, even if it's not going to be an epiphany or world changing in how you treat. I guarantee you'll find some tidbits and things that you will apply later and be like, yes, that has a time and a place here. That has a time and place here and can help you be successful where you might have failed otherwise or run out of ideas that you previously had. And that even includes into bringing other therapists. I love clinics that have a bunch of different therapists that have different treatment philosophies. Because when I start running out of ideas, I've got four or five more brains that aren't just going to be a different you know, brain of my own, but a different skill set, a different approach to find the right thing for that patient. There's nothing wrong. There's no shame in that. You have to be comfortable saying, this isn't working. It doesn't make me bad at what I do. It just simply means I need a different approach and someone else might be the best to provide that. So thank you for the story. It's an awesome story and has so many different layers of, of great tips in it. So very nice. Thank you. So for everyone listening, I hope you've learned and garnered something out of this. I do want to have a chance, Kitu and Becca, again, thank you for joining us. Do either of you have any last tidbits or uh, takeaways you'd like the listeners to hear? Just remember that there is literally something to be learned from every person you come in contact with. And there's also things to be learned from the things you may not agree with. There are still lessons to be learned in that. So just don't shut yourself off to all the learning that surrounds you on a daily basis. And... uh I'm telling myself too, but you want to be, I want to be true to myself. When I'm true to myself, I think people around me changes too. And uh, we want to create a great environment for ourselves, but those environment that client is going to come to. So think about like not just yourself getting out of your comfort zone, then embrace the uncomfortable, but welcome such a new great learning opportunities. Well, thank you both again. And for anyone that has comments or questions, please reach out to us. Therapist in motion at Spooner Physical, or sorry, at SpoonerPT.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>